You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, friends? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast brought to you by our friends at Visa. Hey, help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. So the next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contact list symbol and tap to pay with a contact list visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters visa everywhere you want to be official partner of the nfl and friends i know you guys have been waiting a long time to hear this but it is a victory monday on the locked on panthers podcast that's because the carolina panthers ended their 10-game losing streak on Sunday in a 21-16 victory over the Los Angeles Chargers, the first head coaching win in the NFL for Matt Rule. So it is definitely exciting to get to talk about a victory here on the podcast. So good performance all the way around. Uh, we'll get into you know some not-so-good not so stuff because there were obviously a uh, a uh, few mistakes throughout the game, but overall, this was a a, a bend but don't break type of game and, and type of defense, especially uh, for the Carolina Panthers. You know, the the Chargers had a couple of drives where they looked like they were gonna build some momentum and get into the end zone, but the Panthers had a couple of couple of stops where they had to or, or where the Chargers had to. Settle for a field goal. And speaking of field goals, we'll certainly touch on uh, Joey Sly, him and his uh, five field goals yesterday to help the Panthers out. Um, but that's just that was the biggest takeaway for me is that the Panthers, you know, the when there were times that it seemed like the Chargers were going to get on a bit of a roll, the, the Panthers kind of shut the door deep in the end zone or uh, deep in their own territory and so instead of getting seven points the Chargers had to settle for three and that was really one one of the biggest reasons why uh, the Carolina Panthers came away with the victory here in this game and you know certainly some good plays and good players uh, for the defense Uh, Dante Jackson coming up big with what was a great interception just stepped right in front of Keenan Allen uh, read Read Justin Herbert like a book all the way and just made an incredible play uh, to, again, just step right in front of it. And then he used his speed to just sprint down the field, and that helped the Panthers get a, a field goal right before halftime. You know, they obviously could have were hoping for seven points there with, uh, you know, setting up deep in Charger territory. But they were still able to get three. It gave them a uh, an 18-7 to lead at the half. But... Great play there by Dante Jackson. And hey, the Carolina Panthers finally got a sack this season. And it was actually very early in the game, too, that Marquise Haynes sacked Justin Herbert and recorded the first sack for the Panthers this season. In fact, they sacked Justin Herbert twice in this game as Brian Burns also got got in on the action. So they caused a couple of turnovers, which was huge for them. 
And, you know, they rattle Justin Herbert a little bit. And... But, you know, it was still a, a good passing day overall for Justin Herbert. He finished 35 of 49, 330 yards, and a touchdown. But made some uh, made some tough throws. But, again, that... That interception late in the first or uh, late in the first half really was a uh, a momentum shifter because the Chargers were driving, uh, looking pretty good, and Dante Jackson just slammed the door on that. And instead of possibly three points for the Chargers, which would have made it uh, fifteen to ten, instead it's three points the other way. So uh, a key six point swing there for uh, for the Panthers. So that really was one of the turning points I thought in this game. Instead of having potentially only a five-point lead at the break. The Panthers ended up with an 11-point lead at the half. Now, they were quiet in the, uh, the the third quarter, you know, really didn't get the ball moving. The Chargers kind of controlled the clock a good bit in the third quarter. Um, but the fourth quarter, again, just the uh, kind of the bend but don't break. The, Panth or, uh, the Chargers did score a touchdown in the fourth quarter, but the Panthers were able to hang tight on the two-point conversion and keep it at a five-point lead. So instead of, uh, you know, so it meant the Chargers had to be a little more aggressive, obviously. And, you know, we sometimes overlook special teams, but special teams came up with a big, big play near the end of this game. And that was, of course, J.J. Jansen somehow getting possession of the football on that late punt and keeping his feet just inside the goal line or between the goal line and the one yard line before he tossed it back on his own accord. And the refs looked at it and determined that he did have full possession of the fo football with both feet uh, inside the goal line. And so the Panthers in a, a great effort pinned the chargers at their own one-yard line, meaning the Chargers had to go 99 yards in a little over a minute to get the victory. And, of course, we know how close they actually came. Uh, a couple of good throws. Now, early on, it, it looked like the Chargers were just kind of taking it easy, you know, not making the throws that they really needed to. Um, but they were able to get a couple shots downfield and start moving the ball. And then a key penalty on Yitor Gross Matos for roughing the passer when he hit the helmet of Justin Herbert. Put the Chargers in a better position, and then a couple plays later, they get inside the red zone and spike the ball. So they got two shots at the end zone with about 13 seconds to go. Missed the first one on what was a great play by Trey Boston. He's right there with Keenan Allen. High points the football, knocks it away. One shot left for the Chargers. But, oh, man, did they come close. Herbert rolls out, hits Keenan Allen, who tries to hook and ladder to Austin Eckler, and Eckler dropped it. You know, it might have been a, a bit of a rough throw because it was a bang-bang play. But, boy, I mean, if Eckler hangs on to that football, he's probably gone, and the Chargers get the improbable victory. So... We always say that it's uh, sometimes better to be lucky than good, and there's a lot of luck that certainly goes into some of this stuff. That was a lucky break 
for the Carolina Panthers. That, But that drop sealed the victory. And so the Panthers held on for their first win of the season by a score of 21-16. to 16. Teddy Bridgewater, another solid day, 22 of 28, 235 yards, one touchdown. Uh, didn't really throw the ball deep as much as has been the case these first couple of weeks, but had a couple nice shots downfield uh, to DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson getting involved a little bit. And then uh, in the rushing game, we saw them you know, mix it up a little bit. Mike Davis, of course, got the bulk of the work in the backfield with 13 carries for 46 yards. But they did start lining up Curtis Samuel in the backfield, which we kind of thought would have been a possibility with the way they were starting to run him more and obviously Christian McCaffrey being out. Uh, but Curtis Samuel did get four carries for seven yards, and then even Reggie Bonifin saw a couple of carries, one of them actually inside the, uh, the red zone. He ended up with 16 yards on two carries, and then Teddy Bridgewater had two carries for 12 yards. So a decent day running the football. Not the greatest, but you know they still ended up with 81 yards on 21 carries. So still about four yards per attempt. And then uh, receiving-wise, DJ Moore, 65 yards on two catches. Robbie Anderson had 55 yards on five catches. Mike Davis, though, another great day uh, running the, or, uh, receiving the ball out of the backfield. He had eight catches last week against the Buccaneers. He has eight catches this week against the Chargers. Eight catches, 45 yards, and a touchdown. Actually uh, had the most targets out of any Panthers receiver in this game with nine. Uh, so he had 45 yards, as did Curtis Samuel on four catches. Seth Roberts saw two grabs for 16 yards, and then Ian Thomas had a catch for nine yards for the chargers um like i said herbert was 35 of 49 330 yards as he really had to start pushing the football obviously especially late in the game did have a touchdown but of course through an interception again you know you, you really can't blame herbert on that though it was just a, a great play by dante jackson reading herbert all the way knowing where he was going to go with the football stepping in front of keenan allen and then sprinting to sprinting the other way, setting up the Panthers for a field goal. Uh, rushing wise, um, individually, not really big days on the ground for the uh, Chargers receivers, uh, but Austin Eckler did have 59 yards on 12 carries, which is, you know, a good amount for, for 12 carries. And he still had a touchdown. And then Joshua Kelly, eight carries, 43 yards. And then Herbert had 15 yards on the ground on three carries. So in total, the Panthers give up 117 yards on the ground. Not terrible, but, you know, certainly some improvement there to be had. Uh, but I did think overall the defensive line played, you know, pretty decently. And you're up against two two good, good backs and a really good one in Austin Eckler, who had 11 catches for 84 yards, and then they gave up 132 yards and a touchdown on 13 catches to Keenan Allen, who actually ended up with 19 targets in this one. Uh, and then it was 50 yards on five catches for Hunter Henry, 23 yards on two catches for Jalen Guyton. Mike Williams had one catch for 17 yards. KJ Hill had a catch for 15 yards. And then Joshua Kelly, two catches, nine yards. But again, the key in this one was the turnovers. The Panthers ended up with four takeaways in this game. They recovered three fumbles, 
And then again, picked off Justin Herbert. Herbert, lo- Herbert lost a fumble. Keenan Allen lost a fumble. And Joshua Kelly lost a fumble. So that was one of the key reasons the Panthers won this game. Now, what you would like to see going forward is a lot more of these drives. Instead of settling for three, you obviously want to start turning these three-point drives into seven-point drives. But Joey Sly, you know, he continues to show he's a, a reliable kicker for the uh, for the Panthers. Uh, five for five, Joey Sly ended up going uh, in this one as uh, the Panthers, you know, they did have a touchdown but did have the extra point blocked as I think it was Jerry Tillery. Someone pretty much came right up the middle and blocked the extra point. Um, so he missed his only extra point attempt, but again, he was five for five on uh, on field goal attempts, which was huge. And another reason the Panthers won this game: go back to the turnover, uh, the turnover talk. Four takeaways for the Panthers, zero giveaways. Teddy did not throw an interception. Uh, the Panthers didn't even fumble the football. So. Yeah, that usually happens, as we well know, uh, in the game of football. When you don't turn the ball over 99 times out of 100, you're going to win the game. And that's exactly what happened here. Tyre Whitehead recovered a fumble, as did F.A. Obata. And Shaq Thompson, Shaq also forced a fumble, as did Brian Burns. So, when, you know, not just not turning over the football, but having a plus four turnover differential is a, a key reason they uh, they won this game. And then again, great defense by Dante Jackson, Trey Boston, Jeremy Chin had another fantastic game, and you know just being all over the field. Twelve total tackles for Jeremy Chin actually was one short of leading the charge again for the week as Shaq Thompson had thirteen. But Jeremy Chin just continues to be. All over the field in uh, for the Panthers, so you're starting to see the confidence build a little bit with this team, and it's it's really exciting to see. So, great win for the Carolina Panthers, first win as, a, as an NFL head coach for Matt Rule, and you know the first one's always the toughest to get, you know, especially after you lose your first two games uh, the way the Panthers did. But a great way for uh, Matt Rule to begin his tenure. As, uh, as Panthers head coach, getting his first win at the brand new SoFi Stadium. So, hey, this means uh, in one less game so far, Carolina has more victories at SoFi Stadium than the Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> the Chargers are already 0-2 at home. Of course, losing last week to the Chiefs, and now this week here to the Carolina Panthers. So, again, great great day for the Panthers. You know, some, some miscues, but those are... Um, you know, they're, they're still kind of correctable mistakes. But we'll go and talk about some more individual players. Got some, you know, some notes on the offensive line, too. A little bit of shuffling there, as we saw on Sunday. So that was interesting to note. So we'll take a look at the snap counts and kind of see how they moved everybody around. And then we'll also look ahead to next week in what should be an interesting matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. We'll take a look at them. And then we'll look around the rest of the NFC South and a little bit of a cam watch 
as uh, as the Patriots uh, continue to roll here in 2020. We'll do all that. But first, a shout out to our friends over at CBDMD. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, that's why our friends at CBMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or a shareable squeeze tube. And you also have CBD Recover, which combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And so to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBD has to offer, they are offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. So once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKEDONNFL for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. So a couple more quick notes specifically on the snap counts and just kind of the way the Panthers also use the offensive line in this one. Now, uh, we knew Greg Little was going to get the start at offensive tackle with uh, with Russell Okung out with an injury. But as it turned out, Russell Okung, or excuse me, Greg Little did not play the most snaps at left tackle, interestingly enough. That was actually Trent Scott. Uh, interestingly enough, of course, another former Panther. He actually ended up out-snapping on offense uh, Greg Little in this game. And at the guard position, too, it was not Michael Schofield playing much at the guard position, but Chris Reed ended up seeing a good bit of action for the Panthers. And I actually thought Chris Reed played pretty decently in this one. You know, Chris Reed had some good blocks, protected pretty well. And actually, Chris Reed ended up playing all 51 starts. So he actually ended up, so I'm, you know, curious what happened because we really didn't hear anything uh, regarding Michael Schofield. Uh, But Chris Reed ended up getting the start and playing the entire game at the guard position. Taylor Moten, John Miller, Matt Paradis, and Teddy Bridgewater, of course, playing all the snaps. But at the left tackle position, Greg Little played 20 snaps. Trent Scott actually played the other 31. So Scott got more work uh, in this game by about a th- uh, 3-2 to ratio than did Greg Little at left tackle. And Trent Scott did not play that bad. So, you know, at least the Panthers have... A little bit of depth now. They're at least getting some reps for some of these guys and building a little bit of depth now uh, behind the starters. We know Chris Reed can handle some action when he needs to. Uh, Trent Scott can get in there in a pinch, and you know they're still trying to work and see what they have with uh, with Greg Little. But overall, with the snap counts again, 51 offensive snaps, 
Moten, Reed, Miller, Paradis, and Bridgewater played all 51. Then it was DJ Moore playing 45 of the 51 snaps. Robbie Anderson played 40. Mike Davis, 39. Ian Thomas, 35. Curtis Samuel, 33. So only 65% of the snaps this week for Curtis Samuel. And again, Trent Scott played 31 snaps. And those are the players that played at least half the snaps. Then it went to Chris Manhurts, 24 snaps. Greg Little played 20. Seth Roberts, uh, 17. Farrell Cooper played 9 offensive snaps. And obviously, of course, a number of special team snaps. Alex Arma, 7 snaps on offense. And then 2 snaps each for Brandon Zilstra, Reggie Bonifin, and uh, Colin Thompson. On the defensive side of the ball, though, there were 73 defensive snaps. And as has kind of been the case, it's pretty much the back guys. Justin Burris, Jeremy Chin, Rasul Douglas, and Trey Boston playing all of them. As Dante Jackson actually only played 38 snaps in this game as they kind of rotated. They had you know quite the rotation there at the cornerback position. It was actually pretty even. Uh, opposite Rasul Douglas. Uh, Troy Pride played 40 snaps. Corn Elder played 40. Dante Jackson played 38. So that was rather interesting to see. And you definitely saw, you certainly saw Elder out there quite a bit too. And it's nice. it was nice to see him get uh, a lot more work. But that's uh, one of the interesting takeaways looking at this snap count is the way they moved those guys around, but Rasul Douglas playing every snap. And I continue to say this, but Rasul Douglas has been playing well. He really has. He's been a pleasant surprise through these first three weeks. And of course, now you're at the point where Eli Apple is now eligible to come off injured reserve. So now you really start to wonder what the rotation is going to look like. If they're running this kind of rotation here, What's going to happen with uh, with Eli Apple coming back? So that's really going to be interesting to see. Uh, as far as the rest of the defense goes, Shaq Thompson played 66 of the 78 snaps. Brian Burns played 50, uh, 63. Excuse me. Stephen Weatherly, 55. Tyre Whitehead, 50. F.A. Obata, 43. Uh, Derek Brown, 42. You know, he's starting to come into his own as well. You know, you're, you're starting to see the improvement for Derek Brown. And again, we talked about the corners. Pride, 40. Elder, 40. Jackson, 38. Marquise Haynes, 36. And, of course, had the first sack of the game and first sack of the season. Zach Kerr played 31 snaps. Grossmanos played 24. So, in the two games he's played so far, he's been at about the same number of snaps. About 25 to 30%. And then Brandon Roy played 18 snaps. So those were the, the defensive numbers. And then just real quick, the special teamers. Special team snaps. Moten, 7. Reed, 5. Miller, 2. Uh, Mike Davis, 1. Scott, 7. Manhurt, 7. Cooper, 7. Arma, 8. Zilstra, 10. Bonifin, 9. Thompson, 4. Burris, 9. Chin, 7. Douglas, 3. Boston, 1. Uh... Shaq Thompson, 3. Burns, 3. Whitehead, 2. Obata, 7. Derek Brown, 3. Pride, 14. Elder, 12. Uh, Dante Jackson, 2. Haynes, 5. Kerr, 8. Uh, Roy, 2. 
and then your uh, your core special teamers. Jermaine Carter played 18 snaps. Uh, Stanford 16. Darius Taylor 16. Stanley Thomas all over 14. Miles Hartsfield 13. Joey Sly 13. Sam Franklin 12. And then your uh, you know punter Joe Charlton and long snapper JJ Jansen with 11. And again JJ Jansen with one of the biggest plays of the game with that with downing the ball inside the one, making the Chargers have to go 99 yards in a little over a minute to win the game. Again, they almost did it, but ultimately fell short. But it was still a big play for J.J. Jansen. So that's how the snap counts wound up. And again, kind of the the interesting rotations that the Panthers did on the offensive line. So again, it was interesting to see Trent Scott and Chris Reed out there. And I thought overall those two had a, uh, a pretty good game. So at least now you have some uh, some decent backups. So something must have went down with, um, you know, maybe it was an injury that we didn't know about with Michael uh, with Michael Schofield not even playing a uh, a single a single snap this week. So really really curious what's. Uh, what's going on there? So we'll see. But that's the that's the snap count. So that's kind of the recap, uh, the fun recap. Again, it's, it's finally t- finally nice to talk about a win, as this was the first time since Week Nine of last season against the Tennessee Titans that the Panthers actually won a game. And interestingly enough, if you guys remember, that was not the long longest active losing streak. In the NFL, that belonged to the team the Panthers will play later this season in the Detroit Lions, who had lost 11 straight games, but that streak is over. They got a victory over the team the Panthers will play next week, so nice little segue there. How about that? But they beat the team that the Panthers will see next week at home, and that, of course, is the Arizona Cardinals. The Lions got the win 26-23. So it's the first victory in 12 games for the Detroit Lions. So a great day for them as well. Uh, Game-winning field goal as time expired for Matt Prater. Again, they got the win 26-23. to The stats for the Cardinals, uh, the guys they'll see next week. It was still a good game for Kyler Murray, including an incredible juke move. Uh, down near the goal line. He ended up 23 of 35, 270 yards, two touchdowns. But the killer, three interceptions for Kyler Murray. That was a tough pill to swallow. And one of the reasons the Lions were able to hang around in this one. Kenyon Drake had 18 carries for 73 yards. Kyler Murray, five carries, 29 yards, and a touchdown. Again, that incredible juke move. Chase Edmonds, three carries, 13 yards. And then reception-wise... Obviously, it starts with DeAndre Hopkins as it usually does. So he's, you know, he's going to be tough to defend uh, for the Panthers, but they're going to do their damnedest. But he had 10 catches for 137 yards. Andy Isabella, four catches, 47 yards, two touchdowns. And then it was uh, two catches, 24 yards each. So the same stat line for both Daryl Daniels and Keyshawn Johnson. Chase Edmonds had two catches for 21 yards. Dan Arnold, one catch, 11 yards. Kenyon Drake, one catch, six yards. And Larry Fitzgerald had one catch, uh, but it didn't go anywhere. But again, the killer there, three three interceptions 
for for Kyler Murray, and that uh, that hurts. <laughs> that's a uh, that's usually going to hurt. So three three interceptions for Kyler Murray. Matthew Stafford didn't have any. So again, turnover battle. That's the key. So you know that's something you can take away from that game as you know something the Panthers need to do. You know if they can uh, if they can cause Kyler Murray to make some mistakes, the Panthers can hang around in this one. Um, but it's overall still a solid roster for the Cardinals. It's a, still a good back end of the secondary with um, guys like Buda Baker, even though he's been uh, a little banged up. But you've still uh, you've still got some talent in there. Um, but you know he did defend the pass, as did Hassan Reddick, uh, Drake Kirkpatrick, and Devondre Campbell, two veterans that came over to the Cardinals. Uh, they were tied for second with six tackles yesterday behind. Buda Baker, so even with being banged up, uh, Buda Baker still had a, a pretty solid game. And then, of course, you always got to watch for Chandler Jones on the edge there. Jordan Hicks still doing pretty well in the middle of the defense. So still some talent, of course, on this defense. And again, obviously on offense, got to find a way to at least try to slow down DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, but the Cardinals are now uh, two and one. That was their first loss of the season. So, and it is the uh, the second home game. You know, Panthers get to be back home after a couple weeks on the road. And as we know, of course, it'll be their first game in front of fans. That they are expected to allow little over five thousand fans into Bank of America Stadium on Sunday against the Cardinals. So, uh, it's going to be a great day for the Panthers. And again, should be a, a pretty intriguing matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. So looking forward to digging more into them as the week goes on. We'll take a quick moment, come back, and we will wrap up the rest of the NFC South in week three and talk quick about how Cam Newton has been doing with the New England Patriots. But before we get into that... Shout out and a thank you to our friends at BuiltBar.com, the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar is even deliciouser with, of course, their six brand new flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And of course, all the original flavors that you know and love, raspberry, peanut butter, mint brownie, and many others. Their bars, of course, are always covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew, and they're great for the health-conscious guy. So you can lose or maintain weight while still indulging in a uh, delicious treat. And these are great for keto diets. They're low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. So again, if you guys want to try this for yourselves, you can save a little bit of money with us by going to BuiltBar.com using promo code LOCKEDON, and they are... Starting to run low on inventory again. They've been that popular. So if you want to try this, better jump on it quick. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on. Get you $10 off your next order. So again, BuiltBar, B U I L T B A R.com, promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N. $10 off your next order. So let's talk about the rest of the NFC South here before we kind of wrap things up here on the podcast. And the first thing we have to talk about, and I don't even think I have the words to describe it, is the Atlanta Falcons 
doing it again, again. Last week, they blow a 20-point first quarter lead, a 19-point halftime lead, and a, what, a 16-point fourth quarter lead, losing to the Dallas Cowboys 40-39 to after they apparently forgot that they can recover an onside kick before it goes 10 yards because they're the receiving team. But just when you thought it wasn't bad enough, here they do it again. They had a 15-point lead going or a 16-point lead going into the fourth quarter. So I'm sorry, yeah, they, it was a 15-point lead I think against uh, the Cowboys and they, uh, a 16-point lead as they were up 26 to 10 going into the fourth quarter against the Chicago Bears who had a quarterback change. That was one of the crazy lost in the shuffle of the Falcons doing it again. The Bears are 3-0 and had a quarterback change as Nick Foles comes in, throws three touchdown passes, leads the Bears back from 16 down in the fourth quarter, and the Falcons blow it again, and they are now 0-3. Just incredible to think that the Falcons have... And this is the crazy thing, too. I saw the stat from Field Yates, and I you know tagged it. In uh, the blog I wrote on you know my side blog, kind of recapping all the action, he said in the last 20 years, no NFL team had blown multiple 15-point leads in the fourth quarter. The Falcons just did it in back-to-back weeks. And the crazy thing is we are only in week three. <laughs> I mean, think about that for a minute. No team in 20 seasons had blown multiple 15-point fourth-quarter leagues. The Falcons have already done it in the first three weeks of the season. And now they're sitting at 0-3. And obviously the future of Dan Quinn is now... I mean, that seat's white-hot. Or whatever the hottest color you can think of as far as a seat being hot... That's what color Dan Quinn's seat is. I mean, this is incredible. We knew he was already kind of on thin ice, but they gave him another shot because the Falcons finished so strong in the second half of 2019, getting to a 7-9 finish after starting 1-7. Well, now here we are. They're pretty much right back to where they were at uh, at the start of last season. You know, At least last year by this time, I think they already had a win because I think they'd beaten the Eagles in week two in that Sunday night game. But now they're sitting here at 0-3, and it doesn't get much easier for the Falcons next week. They've got a Monday night date with a red-hot Aaron Rodgers and the 3-0 Green Bay Packers, who, of course, the Panthers will see in week 15. So it's been a dreadful start. For the Atlanta Falcons. And I'm sure it's only a matter of time now. Until Dan Quinn is shown. His walking papers. And you wonder. uh, What the status too. Of uh, Thomas Dimitrov. The general manager. Is also going to be. You know and the. The record is well especially for Dan Quinn. The record is there. I think they said he's now. 24 and 28. Since playing in. Super Bowl 51, 24 and 28. That's incredible. 
And, of course, the Panthers will see the Falcons in two weeks in Atlanta. As we know, of course, two of the Panthers' next five games are against the Falcons. Week five in Atlanta, and then, of course, the week eight Thursday night game at home. Speaking of the Packers, or the, you know, we mentioned the Packers. They, of course, took care of the New Orleans Saints on Sunday night football. By the way, just real quick for for fun, the numbers for Matt Ryan were 19 of 38, 238 yards, uh, one touchdown, one interception. He was sacked twice. Todd Gurley did rush for 80 yards and a touchdown. Brian Hill had 58 rushing yards and a touch, and Calvin Ridley went over 100 yards again. Um, but their receiving core got pretty depleted. Julio Jones didn't play at all with that hamstring injury, and then Russell Gage left with a concussion. But still, I mean, you know, those players play offense. They don't play defense, and it's the defense that's been costing the Pan- or the Falcons terribly. And, oh, by the way, as we know, Dan Quinn is in charge of the defense, or has more or less been in charge of the defense. So, yeah, there's that. But uh, back to the Saints. They lose to the Packers 37-30. to Again, Aaron Rodgers, red hot, 283 yards, three touchdowns last night. Drew Brees, 29 of, 29 of 36, 288 yards, three touchdowns. So um, probably the best game so far this season. Alvin Kamara, dangerous in the passing game as he usually is. 139, 139 yards on 13 catches and two touchdowns. Manuel Sanders scored after being blanked last week. Uh, but Latavius Murray got more work in the rushing game. He had 12 carries to Alvin Kamara's six. They both ran for 58 yards. And actually, Kamara, one run was 49 yards. So you take that 49-yard run away, Kamara ended up with five carries for nine yards outside of that. But again, it was the uh, the receiving game where Alvin Kamara did his damage again. But ultimately, the Saints fell short, and now after a week week one victory over the Buccaneers, the Saints have now lost two straight. And speaking of the Bucs, they are the ones that are now in first place after two straight wins after the week one loss to the Saints as they beat the Broncos on Sunday 28-10 to as Tom Brady, uh, his best game so far as a Buccaneer, 25 of 38, 297 yards, Three touchdown passes, no interceptions. Uh, of course, the Broncos were without Drew Locke, who was injured in Week 3 against the Steelers. So it was Jeff Driscoll who got the start. He went 17-30 for 176 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And then Brett Ripien actually got some action as well. 8-9, of nine, 53 yards, one interception. So uh, a very quiet day for the Broncos. Uh, obviously, Drew, Drew Locke will be back by the time the Panthers see the Broncos, because that, of course, isn't until week 14. But the Buccaneers, a nice win for them. And so, again, they are now in first place in the NFC South. They are 2-1. The Saints are 1-2. The Panthers are 1-2. Technically, the Saints have the tiebreaker because of the because of the win over the Buccaneers, so they have a better division record. The Panthers, of course, haven't played a division game yet. Uh, but the Saints are, or excuse me, the Panthers, I'm sorry, I take that back. They have played a division game. They're 0-1 because they lost to the Buccaneers. Uh, but that's the tiebreaker right now. Saints 1-0 in the division. 
Panthers are 0 and 1 because, of course, the Saints and Panthers haven't played each other yet. And then the Falcons sitting at 0 and 3. And interestingly enough, because um, it's never too early to look at the NFL draft standings, the Atlanta Falcons, right now through three weeks, would own the number one pick. In the NFL draft. Because there's six teams that are now 0-3. The Falcons have the lowest strength of schedule. Among those three teams. Or among those six teams right now. The order actually would be. Atlanta. The Giants. Denver. Minnesota. The Jets. And then Houston would be at six. But their pick of course is going to Miami. Uh, from one of their trades. And then it's the two tied teams. at 7-8. and eight. It's of course the Bengals and Eagles. Both went 0-2-1. And I still can't get over the fact that we actually had a tie again in the NFL. And then Dallas sitting at 9. Because then you get into all the 1-2 and two teams where the Panthers are. Dallas is at 9. The Chargers currently at 10. And then New Orleans is actually at 11. With a slightly easier schedule right now. Than the Carolina Panthers who would be sitting currently at number 12. Again, partly because... Um, you know, really, it comes down obviously to the two non-common games that the Panthers, and uh, at least when we're just talking about the Panthers and the Saints, it comes down to those two non-common games. The Panthers, of course, are playing the Cardinals and Washington out of the, or you know, on kind of the outside, we'll say, is the non-common games with the Saints, while the Saints have the Eagles and the 49ers. So. Uh, the Niners and the Cardinals are, are, of course, a wash. So it just boils down to the fact that Washington has one win so far. The Eagles, of course, have no wins but one tie. So that's where the slight advantage right now comes for New Orleans. Uh, so right now, again, the Panthers sitting at the number 12 spot. Then it's Detroit, Miami, and Jacksonville rounding out the one and two teams in the draft because Washington leads the NFC East right now at one and two. And then the three two and one teams that would be on the outside right now: Las Vegas, Indianapolis, and San Francisco. So those would be your top 18 right now in the draft. Because again, it's now 18 non-playoff teams since there are now 14 playoff teams. One last note before we wrap it up here. I know it's been a quite a long one, but hey, it's a victory Monday, right? It's always a, a fun time. Uh, but we want to catch up here on Cam Newton as he leads the Patriots to a 36-20 victory over the Las Vegas Raiders, giving the Raiders their first loss of the season as both teams are now 2-1. and one. As Cam Newton goes 17-28, of 28, 162 yards, one touchdown, one interception, also added nine carries for 27 yards, one of those rushes being a 21-yard rush. So... Decent day for Cam Newton, uh, but it was a big day on the ground. Nice day for Sony Michelle, 117 yards on nine carries. And then Rex Burkhead found the end zone twice on the ground. As they didn't do much in the passing game, but they didn't really need to. Uh, you know, it's pretty good chance you're going to win a football game when you're able to rush for 250 yards as a team. And that's exactly what the Patriots did. So they were two and one, of course, sitting in second place in the NFC East or the AFC East, excuse me, because you've got the Buffalo Bills off to a three and O start. Thanks to their win 
over the Rams. Uh, so real quick, I'll just run through uh, the rest of the scores outside of the Patriots and the NFC South. It was Buffalo 35, Rams 20, uh, 32. Buffalo nearly blows a 28-3 lead, but they hang on on a questionable, at best, pass interference call. But the Bills are now 3-0. Great start to the season so far for Josh Allen. Cleveland, first time in six years, they are over 500. They beat Washington and, of course, head coach Ron Rivera 34-20. to Tennessee goes to 3-0, sending the Vikings to 0-3. They win 31-30. Uh, San Francisco, despite the roster getting absolutely depleted by injuries, still thrashed the Giants 36-9. Niners go to 2-1. Giants are 0-3. Mentioned earlier, the tie in the NFL this week, Cennati 23, Philadelphia 23. Uh, but a decent day, though, for Joe Burrow. 312 yards passing and two touchdowns. Pittsburgh goes to 3-0, beating the Texans 28-21. Houston is now 0-3. The Jets get throttled again, and the Jets may be the favorite now for the number one pick in the draft. They lose to the Colts 36-7. Uh, and then it was Seattle, thanks to another big day for uh, Russell Wilson, five touchdown passes again. So two straight weeks, Russell Wilson throws five touchdowns in a game. And then uh, a late interception in the end zone of Dak Prescott sealed the victory for Seattle. 38-31 the final. Seahawks go to 3-0. And then Miami, of course, on Thursday night beat Jacksonville 31-13. Both of those teams are now 1-2. and Tonight, of course, is the big one. It is Kansas City and it is Baltimore on Monday Night Football on ESPN. I am picking the Ravens to win this game at home, but it should be a fun game no matter what. And then, of course, Week 4 kicks off Thursday night with the Broncos and the Jets, and then the Panthers are a 1 o'clock kickoff and an early 3.5-point underdog against the Arizona Cardinals. So... A lot of stuff to look forward to here. Should be a fun one. And great day in the book. So, again, great to finally have a victory Monday here on the podcast for the first time since November. It was a long time coming, but it is finally here. And hopefully we'll have a, a couple more of these uh, throughout the season. But the first one's in the books. Matt Rule gets his first victory. And the 10-game losing streak finally comes to an end. Speaking of coming to an end, that's what's going to happen to this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. I really appreciate you guys tuning in and having some fun with me on this Monday. I hope you guys enjoyed the game and are excited and ready for week four against Arizona. Should be another fun one. We'll continue to dig into this and uh, have some more fun as we roll on getting ready for week four here on the LOP and uh, well, at least on the Locked On Panthers podcast, I should say, the LOP podcast. There we go. Uh, but always a fun time. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Monday, and we will see you next time right here on the Locked On Panthers podcast. Until then, Billy Rossetti signing off. We will see you soon, my friends. Until then, bye-bye. <laughs>